think you definitely are going to have B players at the beginning. I think you, you can't get around that um, because you don't have the money. But B players are, in, are more than just yourself. So you want to find the people that can get you to the next stage. That doesn't mean they're going to be the highest that are going to get you all the way through to, to being a billion pound company. But it, it means they're going to get you far enough and still be an integral part of the company. And then you hire again at, at each level. We're on a mission. We're going to find and uncover the smartest, most successful entrepreneurs on the planet. Explore their highs, their lows, and how they ultimately mastered the game. I'm Martin Cook, and I'm excited to welcome you to the Smarter Destiny podcast. I'm grateful for you and your time. Now let's level up together. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another Smarter Destiny podcast. So this time we have my friend Will McDowell on the show. Will is the founder and CEO of Tastily, which is a meal subscription for food lovers short on time. What does that mean? Well, when we were doing our due diligence into Tastely, we came across this incredible brand and being foodies ourselves, we were immediately taken in by the photos and imagery and frankly, the story behind it. Tastely is lovingly made by chefs the day before. It's a ready meal as such in that you can heat it up and get it going in three minutes but it was actually prepared the day before. It wasn't sat around on shelves of supermarkets and it's packed full of good stuff, not just good flavor, but good ingredients as well. And we're gonna go into that as well. Will himself, well, we're gonna delve into this in a minute, but Will himself lost 30 kilograms of weight using a meal subscription service in his past. And that was a important learning that began to cultivate the beginning of Tastely. So we're gonna get into that later on. Tastely was a fast launching brand as well, hitting a million ARR in its first year of trading, which kind of shows just how exciting it is once you get it. It's also got some important charitable components as well as being sustainable and carbon neutral. And so Will is undoubtedly an enlightened entrepreneur on top of everything else. So I think without further ado, let's welcome him to the stage. Will, how's it going? Very good, Martin. Good to be here. Looking forward to having a chat. Absolutely. Whereabouts in the world are you, Will? I'm actually in Wimbledon at the moment. That's where I'm, where I'm living. But our kitchen is down in uh, in Surrey, uh, in Godalming. So keeping it leafy. Keeping it leafy. And and right now is, is Tastily a UK, because obviously both of those places are in the UK for those around the world who don't necessarily know where Wimbledon is. Um, is right now is Tastily a UK brand or do you sell further afield? Yeah, because we do fr uh, cook fresh produce, it's quite hard to, to get that international. So at the moment, we are we are UK based with one production kitchen, but definitely uh, it's in our sights to be to be looking international. Absolutely. I, I think uh, that'll, that'll be a fun, fun delivery experience where they're getting it <laughs> next day to Australia or something somehow, like maybe utilizing rockets. Who knows? Anyway, <laughs> well, what, what we like to do on the show is we like to go back. We like to go back and understand what makes you you, where you come from and um, and the milestones in your past that have helped forge you as an entrepreneur. So what we like to do is we like to go back in time to a origin story where you got bitten by that radioactive spider if you were Peter Parker, um, where you became Spider-Man, where you became Entrepreneur Man. Have you got a time and place in mind? If so, could you take us back there and tell us all about it? Yeah, I, I do. I would say the, the t turning point in my life to move towards the entrepreneurial side was so I studied architecture at university um, so I was going to be designing pretty buildings for the rest of my life um, and took a year off after uni to go to Australia to play play cricket over there for a little gap year 
which was a great, great experience. But whilst I was there, I um, I did some door to door selling. So I was selling electricity and gas to, to locals around the, the Melbourne area. Um, never done sales before, but that was sort of a quick way to make make some money. Within the first couple of weeks, I realized that was sort of the destiny that I was going to be going down in terms of getting into sales roles. I became sort of a, a team leader and, and sort of one of the top performers in that company for, for, for the year that I was there. And it just got I got the bug for selling and realizing that I can convince people to to change their gas provider for probably not even making any 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 profit. But uh, but yeah, it, that was a great experience for me. And, and I got the, 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 the bite of sales beautiful it's interesting as well i'm also a huge cricket fan i was going to say um off air that actually you, you've got a little bit of aaron finch about you so it's interesting <laughs> that you went went to australia there and um and and did so you were selling door to door now i i i love asking this question for door to door salesmen did you have any special techniques or tactics for getting your foot in the door literally to um to to getting that sale perhaps getting to that kitchen table where that sale might happen i mean in australia swearing is definitely one of the best ways to get a good reaction you're either if you're knocking on the door on a, on a friday morning you're most likely going to come across a tradie so uh so drop, dropping a c-bomb or an f-bomb sometimes was the way to get 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 into them and it's always a bit of a shock for them but that would that would get you through the door um i think it, it's sort of a horses for courses and seeing who's who's at the door making sure you adjust your, your pitch to to that kind of person um and and then just try and charm them as an english bloke and how did you handle rejection, particularly Aussie rejection, which I imagine is a, is a little bit more fierce? Yeah, it's um, with door to door, you're you're being rejected ninety nine times out of a, out of a hundred. So you just got to have a have a thick skin. You know that once that door's closed, and you've got to go to the next door, and that one that one could open. So it's just a case of get up and go again, um, and, and and not give up. Beautiful. Okay, and so so you did your year abroad. You hopefully hit hundreds of hundreds um, and made loads of sales. <laughs> What came next? Like, what, where were you at then? Because obviously, you've you've you must have cut most ties in the UK at that point. Like, it's not like you can keep a, a job going whilst being, you know, the other side of the world like that. Like, where did you go from there? Yeah. So I, when I was moving back to the UK, um, I googled the first week that I got back the the best way to make money in sales um, and recruitment came to the top of the list. So um, I sort of hadn't ever considered that as a career. And then within six days of, of arriving back from the UK, I was I was sat in my first sort of proper job, um, yeah, as as a recruiter, um, and that that became my career for the next five years. So I I, I worked in the in the UK for for three years, um, became top biller of the, of the company, and then got the opportunity to move to New York and to set up uh, set up the New York branch of of that company um, over, over in the states, which was a great opportunity. So yeah, I, I moved into kept stayed in the world of sales and, and had the chance to, to do that internationally again. So you were doing you were doing all of that and you were I mean here's a bit of a trend here rising to the top of your company rising to the top of the company you've got this opportunity to to be doing your your trade now in New York but at some point you decided this isn't for me this isn't isn't right what happened Yeah I mean part of the reason to move to New York was I mean it was a great opportunity but also I think I was trying to get away from the lifestyle I was living in the UK um, I don't know if you've hung out with many many recruiters but it can be um, yeah quite a um, quite an unhealthy lifestyle um, if, you, if you go down that path I was probably drinking and eating way too much so I was looking for a change uh, I don't know why I chose New York as the place to go and to go and cha change that lifestyle so when I moved over there the first year um, I yeah I fully embraced the life the life in New York and and I've always been a foodie so um, 
having a pizza pizza shop on every corner or a bodega where you can get a, a sausage and cheese melt for, for breakfast every morning it, it's definitely impacted my waistline um so I, I put on loads of pounds whilst i was over there came back at the first christmas and my sort of friends took the piss out of me my family family barely recognized me and i realized i had to make a bit of a change um, when i got back to the back to the us so um yeah i was i i tried different fad diets i tried different approaches to, to, to losing weight and get, getting healthy but nothing really stuck because I am a foodie and I've always loved, loved food. I've always enjoyed eating when I'm stressed, eating when I'm happy, eating when I'm sad. That's just kind of, it's been the thing that I go to. So, um, but then I discovered a pre-made meal delivery service out there called Freshly. Um, They're recently acquired by, by Nestle for one and a half billion dollars. So it's a pretty, pretty big industry over there. Um, But yeah, I I discovered them, started using that, that service and just having healthy portion control, but good tasting meals in your fridge ready to go to take away the that one click on onto DoorDash or Deliveroo or, or sort of popping downstairs to get a pizza. Um, that was sort of the catalyst for me to, to to start looking after my health, start looking after my physical but also mental health. So yeah, over the course of, of nine months, lost about 30 kilos. Um, it was definitely sort of linked to exercising more and, and having a pretty, pretty nice life out there and being in a good mental place as well. There's lots of factors that come into it, but um, the, the, the food side of things definitely was, was, was sort of the, the main, the main trigger for that. So uh, yeah, what, once, once that, once my mindset towards eating and towards food changed, it sort of changed my attitude towards working in recruitment as well and, and sort of what I wanted to do with my life. So um, yeah, I decided Again, at a pretty pretty short notice, I'd sort of hand in my notice, and then within within two weeks, I was on a flight to on a flight to New Zealand um, to to have another little break and play some more cricket um, in between in between coming back to the UK to sort of figuring out my what my next step step in my life would be. Beautiful. I, I like how you you do these sort of circuit breaker trips down under to <laughs> to, uh, to play some cricket. I, yeah, definitely. Um, I I get the appeal. I really do get the appeal of that being a, a, a foodie cricketer myself. Um, okay, so you, so you're in New Zealand and you've gone right. Wow, shit. I've uh, I've opened my eyes. I've I've put on a lot of weight very quickly, and then I've taken that weight. Um, I've managed to get that weight off um, relatively quickly as well with this service, this this meal subscription service, which is as easy as a one click delivery, for example which which works for you and also presumably is quite tasty which which ticks the box with the with the the will foodie part of you so you're in new zealand trying to figure your shit out what what sort of was going through your head um there and and and, and where did that lead to when i assume you came back to the uk yeah i mean so i i was in a lucky enough position not to have to work because you make a fair amount of money in recruitment even though it's a an, an interesting industry you, you can make a lot of money personally so i i was there playing cricket um, and working out and cooking. And that was pretty much all I did for six months. So I was practicing cooking and meal prepping and figuring out, sort of le- learning about how meals are balanced and, and sort of ha- trying to replicate what the service I was using in New York whilst I was in New Zealand, because it doesn't really exist exist in that part of the world. So um, yeah, I was, I was, it was, it was about April, April time, uh, no, sorry, Mar- March time last year. Um, and then the pandemic hit. Um, so I had another couple of months left in New Zealand, but then got a call from my parents being like, you should really think about getting a flight back a bit earlier. Cause I think this is actually getting pretty serious. And the Kiwis, they, 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 they just ignored it. They didn't really care, care about it at that time. And they, we were still all just, um, yeah, playing cricket and, and, and going down to the pub. So, um, I, but then, yeah, I got the last flight out of New Zealand, um, and touched back in, in the UK on, on March the 24th. So the day before the first, uh, first lockdown. 
Um, and at that point, I was quarantining in my in my parents' spare spare room. I hadn't hadn't planned for for what I was going to be doing, so I was, came back two months early. Um, I didn't have any sort of jobs lined up. I, I was originally going to apply to some of the big recipe box companies like the Hello Freshers, the Gustos, the Mindful Chefs to to get into the industry to to learn a bit more about it, whether that be as an internal recruiter or just sort of a, a more intermediate role that I can then get sort of establish myself in that and then go and set up my own company which was, which was always the always the goal um but then yeah as as the pandemic kind of changed changed plans i was in quarantine for two weeks researching the industry checking out what companies are doing a similar thing to what freshly was doing in the us and and quickly realized that the the, the pre-made fresh meal subscription industry in the uk is definitely in its infancy compared to the us and there's no major players in that we do have recipe boxes that there are so the frozen side and and and, and the, the vegan side but for for what is such a huge billion dollar industry in the us there's no equivalent here um so i thought especially with the way that people were moving with with subscription boxes and getting food delivered to their home during that pandemic it was kind of a now or never situation if i wanted to set up my own company i had to kind of do it do it there and then or else i've missed the boat so yeah pulled the trigger and then again within seven days of touching down I had the um, the domain um, domain lockdown. I had um, tastely.co.uk registered, and 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 it was a, I was officially CEO and founder on the first of April. So it was uh, yeah another quick turnaround, just a snap decision, and and, and went for it. Phenomenal, and um, you know I love the the the, the quick decision making and quick quick action taking, which is definitely a um, uh, an important ingredient to being a successful entrepreneur. Um, so you've you've got the domain and and now you're trying to figure things out. You've as far as from what I can tell, despite you were you were good at cooking food for yourself, but in terms of sort of industrially cooking food, um, having experts cooking that food, chefs no less. I mean, what does that early stage of of getting like kitchens set up, getting the the um, the regulatory boxes ticked, uh, and getting to the point where you're actually able to ship out food, you know, the food that's that's fit for consumers and and um, matching the criteria that that Tastely is built on. Yeah, so so that was so April first was when Tasty was founded. Um, it took. So within a month, I was cook- I had the plan. I had my I'd raised some friends and family um, investment. I'd got a, a sort of startup loan through the Virgin Young Entrepreneurs Scheme. I had some some money in the bank, and I I had my plan, which was going to be so the, the my local cricket club's kitchen, Homesdale, um, in in Kent. Um, they obviously there was no cricket going on during the pandemic, so there was a, a dormant kitchen there. So I struck a deal with with my mate, who's also the chairman, um, and was allowed to use that kitchen, uh, which is sort of kitchen, uh, or uh, yeah, that is kitchen safe and, and food safe environment to be to be cooking in. So the plan was to be to be cooking out of there. I had a menu of sixteen dishes that I I designed and and I was ready to ready to cook. Um, so yeah, I think it was early May that I, I decided to wrangle some of my friends and family around from the area and do, do a test run um, to, to cook some of the, those first 16 dishes. I said I would cook four dishes for 16 different people, which I didn't think was going to be a real hardship. Um, but then within the first, well, even before I started cooking, um, I got a new chef's knife, which was a really good moment for me. I'd never had a proper chef's knife before. Um, I unsheathed it. It's so sharp. You had to have a sheath on it. Um, then when I to look at it when I put the sheath back on I put it on the wrong way around 
And when I put it back down, it sliced through my finger. Um, and my sister, who's a midwife, thankfully patched me up and, and sort of sent me off on my way to actually start cooking after that point. So that wasn't a great start. Um, I, it took me two hours to queue up at the, at, the, at the supermarket to get the first load of food. Um, so I was already running, running late. Um, I hadn't actually tested out the oven, so I got to using the oven and it was an electric oven, which isn't great for cooking and you can't have as good a control of the temperatures. So it took forever just to cook one, one sauce. Um, so yeah, it got to maybe four o'clock and I had elements of maybe three dishes ready, but the rest of it had just gone all down, down the drain. I've got a video that I recorded um, that I look back on every so often of, of me just in my in my brand new chef whites covered in in sauce and and with my I've cut my thumb as well during the same time so with my hand up and just with this look of shock and and what the hell am I doing on my face after after raising money for my friends and family saying I can do this and then just the first day all, all going tits up so um, yeah I, I called in reinforcements from my parents who are excellent cooks and that they cooked a fish pie that I just managed to managed to send send to those 16 friends and families to make sure I deliver food and then it was a case of at that point looking at it and being like if I'm going to set this up and do this properly and get it to where I want to be which was always going to be we always want to be the the, the, the leading player in the in the pre-made meal subscription service uh, space in the UK um, from day one that was my goal um, so if I need to get to that point I need professionals who can cook I need professionals who can market I need professionals who can deliver I, I need I need to be able to hire people who actually know what they're doing so um, I quickly realized that I, I wanted to turn to my actual skill set, which is recruitment and is finding the best kind of people. Um, and so, yeah, from from May until August, when we were, when we delivered our first meals to paying customers, um, that was that was what I was focusing on is, is finding the best people, building a good team that can can get us to that point and selling the dream to people for, from some bloke who's not a chef, who's never worked in the industry to be able to, to, be able to build up a, a company from from scratch. Nice. So let's let's delve into that a little bit. Which we're clearly one of your superpowers here is recruitment. Like you've 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 done it time and time again in different countries, right? You so right now you've got a startup running on on borrowed cash. Um, you've got a great idea that's that's proven in in the US, um, and you're trying to recruit the best people you possibly can, probably for as least money, right, as you mm. as you possibly can. So from a recruitment point of view, how can um, the people in the audience who are, who are going like, yeah, I, I recognize that, that my my brand, my, my business will be so much stronger having A players in it. But actually, I know that those A players are slightly out of my price range. So I'm making do with B players at the moment. They know that's not right. What advice would you give to them drawing on your own experience to, to, to improve the, the quality of those people? I think you definitely are going to have B players at the beginning. I think you, you can't get around that um, because you won't, you don't have the money, but B players are, in, are more than just yourself or sort of than D players. So you want to find the people that can get you to the next stage. That doesn't mean they're going to be the, 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 the hires that are going to get you all the way, all the way through to, to being a billion, billion pound company, but it, it means they're going to get you far enough and still be an integral part of the company. And then you hire again at, the, at each level. So I think for me, finding, a chef and finding someone who can actually take the lead on on the food production side of things was crucial so um i, I got steve steve on board he's our head chef um he, he's run events catering companies for for 20 years and 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 it was sort of luck luck and timing with that because events catering there was nothing going on during the pandemic so steve had a had a dormant um, a dormant 
production kitchen. Um, he wasn't he wasn't doing anything, so he he was working two days a week for us. Um, he he joined as a director in the company and, and still is and, and always will be. Um, and he and he um, yeah took took over the food production side of things, which which was great for me. We had the facility, we had the the EHO, the EHO has up all, all the food production um, regulations nailed down thanks to his experience um, and also, yeah, producing great tasting food. He, he's cooked for for the Queen and for Elton John. So he, he was a great, a great find, um, definitely for us. Um, and then getting development chefs on board. Um, so we worked with um, a couple of couple of development chefs who are pretty big names in, in in the space. Thankfully, a couple of them have been on MasterChef, um, and it's uh, it's it's that that was a good find as well to have the, the food developed. Um, but then marketing, I think we we started off going down the agency route and trying a few different cheaper options with agencies, and and realised that pretty quickly had to bring that in house. And it was hiring hiring people who aren't necessarily experts and, and 10, 10, 20 years experience as like a chief of marketing, but someone who's got the potential, who's, who's worked in reputable companies, been surrounded by impressive people. And then if they impress you during the interview process, then you can take them on to, to, to have them grow and develop with, with the company. So yeah, I found, found a head of marketing in Emily who, who worked at Birchbox for a couple of years. So she's had a subscription box experience. Um, and then, yeah, just building the team around from that with reliable, reliable people that, you know, you can trust to, to and who, who are bought in by offering equity as well, which is like a big, a big part of it. Well, I, 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 you've just given us a little glimpse that, uh, there potentially of, of what you have available to you um, if it's not actual salary, like high level salaries. I mean, um, just going through that, you've got you've got you know, master chef, famous um, chefs. You've got um, production, production, uh, food production chefs with the, with the business and the experience and the qualifications. You've recruited a um, a head of marketing that's got experience in subscription books. I mean, these these are incredible um picks right like for your um for your tastily fantasy league here right like like what you've got going on so clearly there's something like what what when you're trying to find these these people first off like where are you looking right and then second of all what is your your angle when it's when it's not i'll give you 100k a year um starting salary plus bonus plus equity yeah so i mean the world of recruitment and finding people is probably 95% now on LinkedIn. Um, every working professional pretty much is on LinkedIn. There's lots of tricks tricks of the trade that you can use um, to, to get through to a, a lot of people and to narrow down your searches to make sure you can you can sell to someone and you can you can try and convince them to 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 join join what's hopefully gonna be a rocket rocket ship. You you've got to be able to sell that and sell the dream of, of what you're building. And um, so it's, it's it's having the confidence in, in what you're building and knowing that it's gonna be a success. I think that rubs off when you're speaking with with these people. Um, I think not being afraid to reach out to people who are what you would consider way above you in in, in the pecking order. Um, so I so along with finding employees, I also built an advisory board pretty early on, sort of around October, November time last year, um, and and had reached out, spoke to some pretty pretty impressive people, and and, and found um, so Harry, who's our sort of sales advisor, he, he's the head of sales at Button Up Box, and he'd worked at Hello Fresh, worked at um, Riverford, I think it was Riverford, and at Freddie's Flowers, so some of the biggest subscription box companies in the UK, and, and headed up sales for them. So he's he was a great find and ex experience there. Um, Kevin on on the 
on the on the food side of things he, he was the head chef um at heston blumenthal's restaurant and actually won a mission star there then set up a um a ready meal range with Lidl, and then and then ran f- culinary at, uh, at an airline food manufacturing so it has like the perfect mixture of what we need for, for mass production so i think reaching out to those kind of people and finding them early to be able to offer you advice on the different elements of the business is, is pretty crucial. And then, yeah, being able to offer equity is definitely a big part of it. And you would rather, you got to make sure you keep your equity as safe as possible, but also you'd rather be able to get people on board who can make a massive difference and, and be a bit more generous with it and the options pool early on. Um, Cause then you can, you can build the company quicker and make it more successful earlier. Brilliant. And so changing pace for a little bit, um, let's talk about the enlightened entrepreneur part of your business, right? We we love promoting and and uh, talking about um, enlightened entrepreneurs on this show. I, I genuinely, I mean, I practice what I preach with Nubru. We're fighting global malnourishment. We are fortifying the meals of at least one child for at least a year with every single purchase with, with Nubru. And our packaging is completely sustainable. It's, it's paper. It's paper and card is what our, um, our packaging is made out of, which is a tricky thing, by the way. That's a whole... That's a whole different story, right? Going into that. Now, um, we recognize that um, as, as entrepreneurs, we have a responsibility to um, be successful, but we have a responsibility to use that success, influence, leverage, whatever it is that we're building up to make the world a better place. Indeed, much better than when we found it. Okay, I step off my soapbox now, now that I've explained what enlightened entrepreneurship is. Now, you definitely are that. And um, tastily, despite, you know, um, all of the challenges, living off, uh, or you're trying to function off of borrowed money in a, comp- a competitive space in a pandemic, no less, you still recognize that you're going to um, still be making good happen when you could cut corners and cut costs and, and do all the other stuff that is a very tempting thing, particularly in the early stages. So well done you. High five. Could you talk to us about the enlightened entrepreneur parts of Tastily and why it's important and why it was important to you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think I had to blame blame my mum for, for part of this. So she actually set up a company maybe six months before I did, which whilst I was out in New Zealand and and she it's like a it's called couple it's a, a hybrid coffee cup and and water bottle together that makes it easier to carry it around that's to try and reduce sort of single-use plastic and, and and paper waste and and so when i got back into into quarantine staying at my parents home like we were both setting up companies together and and hers was super focused on sustainability and on, on eco-friendliness it's her and her, her cousin and they they set it up because when they drove from, from to each other's house they would just be appalled at the amount of litter that's on, on american litter the amount of rubbish on the um, on the side of trash. the road i know yeah. right oh, trash so so yeah so 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 being in that kind of environment I couldn't not focus on sustainability and and and, and sort of the environmental side of things. I definitely uh, it, it's something that has been important to me. But I would say since starting up a company, it's been it's become way more important to me than it was personally beforehand. And I wasn't very good at recycling. I wasn't very good at sort of sorting out my my, my rubbish from from plastics and and cardboard. That wasn't something that I I really focused on. But then as soon as I set up this company and realised. How much, how much waste you can cause, and how, how much goes into production. There was sort of a, a flick in my in my brain that that sort of made that actually quite an important thing for me as well. So yeah, I'm not going to pretend that I've always been an eco warrior, but definitely since setting up it, it's it's become a bigger part of it. So um, yeah, we, we we made sure from the get go that our packaging was as as sort of environmentally friendly and sustainable as possible. So 
we use um, trays that are fresh evolved trays, which basically means that they're made out of 85% recycled plastic. Um, so they, it's like a cyclical recycling process. Um, we were looking at sort of the pulp trays that can be composted, but actually they're often covered in, in sort of a very thin plastic membrane that you have to remove to recycle. And 95% and of people don't do that. So then it goes into the recycling or into the compost heap, but it's actually got plastic in it. So we, we weighed up on that front and put a lot of thought in, in, into that. Um, all of our cardboard, we, we made sure we, we're using sort of recycled paper as our insulation rather than using plastic or what's the what's polystyrene. polystyrene, that's the one. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, the packaging was super important um, for the deliveries. From day one, um, we wanted to make sure we were using a carbon neutral delivery partner. So DPD, obviously, they're actually a massive, obviously a massive company, but they are carbon neutral. And then our London delivery partners are also carbon neutral. Um, and we, one of the big things is cutting down on packaging as much as possible and cutting down on deliveries as much as possible. So we invested in um, a packaging solution where you can keep the food fresh for seven days using modified atmosphere packaging, um, which basically replaces all the, the gases inside of the, the, the trays um, with just carbon dioxide and nitrogen. So it means that the food doesn't, it stays fresh for much longer, which means you can only, you only have to deliver once a week rather than deliver twice a week, which a lot of companies do um, when you just, you don't have to properly seal up the food. And then, but that doubles up the packaging, doubles up the deliveries, and it just makes it a lot worse. So all of these little things we mm. had from the very beginning um, to, to, to start on, on that point. Um, and then when it comes to things like animal welfare, that's definitely something that's close to my close to my heart. I grew up a vegetarian, so until I was 21, I was I was a veggie mainly for for animal welfare um, reasons, which which was didn't make school occasionally that easy when you're at the dinner table being a being a veggie. But um, but yeah, and 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 so we made sure we wanted to get as ensure we're at least using red tractor or above uh, when it comes to the meat produce and, and so trying to use as much free range as uh, product as, as possible whilst also obviously looking at the margins as a, as a startup so yeah so i think that that for us was, was was really crucial starting off um starting off the journey and then so you've got that which is all on the the sustainability um eco-friendly side but also you've got a charitable component mm. um chefs in school could you tell us about that yeah, this is something that again is close close to my heart, and something that I've I'm probably the proudest thing I've I've, I've done with with Tastely. Um, so we support this ch charity, Chefs and Schools. Um, so they, what they do is they they put um, chefs who have had restaurant experience um, but are looking to get out of the restaurant world. Um, into schools to be the the main food educator but also um, the, the chef there so they they take over the the school lunches they take over the the, the classes about food education for the kids um, and and make that part of the curriculum because I think at most of the time it's not regulated food as as part of the curriculum it's it's sort of on there and you kind of have to tick boxes but it's often a, a geography teacher showing kids how to make cupcakes once a month it's, it's not it's not something that's really important but so having someone in there who's, who's who loves food has got a passion for food and educating kids on food and and regularly regularly doing that is, is a massive thing um for for the kids and they also have um the hackney school of food which is where kind of they're, they're based out of and chef tom there who's a, a lovely bloke an amazing chef um he he 
teachers, kids from all around London um, who come to the, the School of Food about nutrition, about food, about different cuisines and cultures and educates them on that, which um, which a lot of children aren't lucky enough to to have. I, I was the, the son of a diplomat, so I grew up all over all over the world from in my formative years um, and lived in sort of five or six countries. So had loads of exposure to food and, and that that is something that I've always cherished and, and turned me into a food lover. But so many people don't have that opportunity and don't don't know what is out there when it comes to food and nutrition and health and and what goes into it so so being able to support them with every box that that we sell we pay for the ingredients for a child to learn to cook and um, that's kind of that's how how the partnership works so as we scale it means that they'll scale and we'll continue to be able to to put more money into into chefs and schools and 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 uh, and, and keep supporting more children and, and educating them in food phenomenal and um yeah the, the getting that going early i recommend this to everybody is 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 not thinking with the mindset of oh when i get to this size this level of growth or when i get to profitability or whatever i'm going to i'm going to do something good in the future actually just getting it in there getting it as part of the the pnl from day dot um and and getting it in a way that that it scales with the business and bonus points if you can quantify the good that happens with every with every person purchase as well to the customer so going going one step further like you know this many kilograms of plastic will be removed from the ocean with every purchase you know getting it to that quantifiable thing i think there's a whole generation now of shoppers now who are interested in that they're like okay cool you you create wonderful t-shirts what else like i get a t-shirt but what else you know they, they want to know like what's the good that happens as a result of me giving you giving you my money rather than than someone else so i think i think this is amazing i've not heard of um chefs in schools type thing but certainly i, I get it and and food education um bless my parents i would you know i would experiment at home when in my younger days cooking and and often i've learned in my adult life i would accidentally use up you know the the pork tenderloin or something important for the evening meal for the family but my parents wouldn't like punish me for that because they recognized that what I was doing was experimenting and and actually my first job was in was in a very busy kitchen as well and I get the education and discipline that comes from um you know food learning food and working in the industry and I think I think that's amazing that you're opening that up to the, the future generation as a as a as a as an option and as a discipline um I think that's so important so those listening who um who are excited about Tastily, uh, those listening in the UK that can get their hands on it, or those um, listening around the world that want to be a part of it in some way, um, what uh, links and information or, or, or guidance or advice can you give these people? Yeah, if you if you want to check it out, head over to our website, which is uh, tastily.co.uk, or give us a follow on Instagram. We haven't really been pushing out our social media until recently, so we're, we're keen to keen to get our follower base up, and we put some pretty good content out there. So that's at try tastily, um, and I'll definitely we'll be able to set up a discount code um, that we can share with this with this podcast as well. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll set that up for you guys. Absolutely. And for those looking to uh, get in whilst whilst it's it's early in terms of giving you um, giving you their money in return for equity or something like that. Is there any opportunities for investors around the world right now? Yeah, definitely. So we, we've been we've been down the investment journey for more or less from from the beginning to be a high growth scale up startup that's definitely part part of the journey so um we're going to be raising our series a next year but we're, we are raising um seed fast investments at a discounted rate up up until then to keep our keep our growth going so um yeah if you want to want to reach out to me then then i can happily share uh, share an investment deck and, and sort of show you the progress of, of what we've made and, and where we're aiming to go in the in the future 
Fantastic. And is LinkedIn the best place to reach out to you? Yeah, li LinkedIn. I, I, I live on LinkedIn, so that I'll always be able to respond pretty pretty quickly. So head, head over to my, my LinkedIn, which is just, yeah, Will McDowell. Brilliant. All right. Okay. So at this point in the show, we like to mix it up. We change pace. We go into the rapid fire question round. I ask the questions quickly. You can answer quickly or you can answer at a different speed chosen by you. Are you up for that? Of course. Yes. Let me just take it. Are you two thumbs up? I'll double thumb up. Double thumbs up. There we go. All right. Question number one. If you ever had to start again, how would you make your money? In a higher margin business. In a higher margin business. Have you, uh, what what higher margin businesses have you gone? Oh, that's that smart. I'd like that. I, I mean, I can't, I, I haven't spent much time thinking into that because I'll just be concentrating on tasty. But I think it's definitely a harder, a harder journey if you're, if you're, um, if you're working in the food industry um, and working to tight margins, it means there's there's all there's sort of very narrow narrow gaps there. So I think if I was going to do it again, I probably would find something that that once you get it set up and get build the right team, then it just it sort of runs itself. Nice. What's the most common or biggest mistake leaders make? Trying to be in control of everything. Um, I would say, and that's something I've, I've definitely mistake that I've made and not being able to hand off responsibilities um, can, can be an issue if you don't trust your team to be able to take tasks off of you. Um, it, it leads you, you to being much more stressed, but also your team not to be taking their next steps in their career as well. How do you hire top talent? LinkedIn. It's just, you've got to be on LinkedIn. You've got to be spent that you've got a minimum, a maximum number of reach outs you can do. And you've got to expect, you've got to reach out every single month within the first week, because if you're not reaching out to people and you're not asking the question, you won't be able to find the right people. So yeah, get on LinkedIn, get out sending messages. You can even set yourself up on LinkedIn recruiter. It's like 140 quid a month, but it's worth the investment because it costs a lot to, to hire people. And through that, you can do keyword searches. You can narrow down your search to be the perfect people um and then you can you can target them from there so yeah linkedin and then sell the dream so i'm gonna i'm gonna delve into that a little bit more talk talk to me about those that first impression that you're making on linkedin what what kind of subject lines openers what are you what are you hitting that potential recruit with so you want to the, the ways that you can you can get through to people on linkedin is either a a connection so you can you can try and connect with them on linkedin and you can put a little message on on that connection not a lot of people know that and so if you do it on your mobile you can't do it but on, on desktop you can and then it pops up with that that message and you've got i think 160 characters to be able to to be able to try and try and get the hook so it is a really short sharp snappy um sentence and 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 i would just just put down what you're doing why and why it's why it's why it's been successful um and like one or two key numbers and then ask them a le like a leading question rather than just like have you got time to talk um you want you want to say i want to discuss x y and z with you are you free on friday at 2 p.m and having specifics saying about what you want to talk about and actually treat it as if they're going to be helping you and, and sort of telling you and teaching you about stuff that often gets a good response beautiful how do you identify a good business partner? I think you have to get on with them from the very first conversation or very first exchange you have. Um, if you if you leave a chat or, 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 or even an email exchange and be like, I don't know if I got a good vibe from them, then trust your gut. Nice. What is one of your proudest moments? I think we we touched on it with the with the with the chefs and schools partnership. I think that was was is, is something that I'm really proud of and, and and keen to keen to continue pushing forward. 
How did you learn about that? We decided, um, so Ali, who's one of our other um, advisors, he, he's worked in, in sort of major food brands at Unilever and, and, and at Simply Cook and, and worked on branding and, and marketing, but he, he focused on sort of brands with a purpose and, and being able to give a purpose to a company. So I was speaking with him about that super early on and, and we were just discussing what would be the best approach for us as a business and what means a lot to me. Um, and we, we, we got to obviously food. We wanted to keep it within, within the industry. Um, and then talking about food education. And then it was a case of just searching through a few different, a few different, uh, well, it actually took yeah, a, a few months to find the right partner, but we, we got through to chefs and schools immediately bonded with them, got, got on with the team there. Um, and, and, and yeah, we, we signed up, signed up sort of this year and we've, we've created a range of meals with them. So the kids at Mandeville school, they, they designed two of the meals on our, on our, on our menu, along with chef Tom and, and sort of custom designed the, the, the packaging. So the kids artwork is on, on the front of the packaging. Um, so yeah, so that, that was sort of how we, how we, how we chose them. Beautiful. What's one interesting fact about you that not many people would know? Um, I was in a movie as a child. Yeah, what child uh, what child what movie <laughs> it was called do or die and it was uh it was filmed in australia but it was a uk a uk film um and i was called william in it and i was one of the main characters do or die didn't do anything That's since it. i'm not an actor <laughs> are you on imdb then i am on imdb yeah ah yeah there you go we're peeling back the layers of this onion here as <laughs> well what daily routines do you have, whether morning or evening, that have helped make you successful? I'm I'm terrible with routines. I I know how important they are, and I go through a number of resets each month, each day, each each week to get back into a routine. Um, I'm at my best when I am going to go into the gym in the morning. When I am so when you wake up, make your bed, go to the gym, have your breakfast. That that's when I know I'm I'm sort of performing at my best as a person. Um, but that doesn't always happen and, and, and life can get in the way. So yeah, I, I, at the moment I went to the gym this morning, so I, I'm, I'm on the, on the track for that, but a week ago I, I didn't, I skipped it for a week. So it's, it's one of those ones where, um, you've got to, you've got to stick in those routines and, and perform at your best. What book or books changed your mindset or life? See, this is what, this is a question that I don't have a good answer to because I'm not a reader. I'm, I listen to audiobooks. I've tried so, so they, many. I've, there I've, you go. So we'll open it up like that. So yeah. it, um, different people learn in different ways and it might be that then it visually, they're not, they're not visual learners. It might be that they're um, kinetic learners or, you know, in your case, like audio audible learners. So you're, you, you listen to books instead. That's fine. Same question. What books have you listened to that have changed your life or mindset? Um, so when I, when I was out in the U S, um, I really got addicted to Joe Rogan's podcast. Um, and that was, that was something that really like, for some reason, every day when I was working out, I would always listen to that. And then a few of his guests have been pretty impressive. And I went down rabbit holes of, of a few of the real pump up, pump up, pump up guests and, and, and David Goggins, um, he's written a book, which is pretty pretty um pretty impressive what he what he's done and his, his kind of mindset and attitude to life and, and that probably helped me during my during my weight loss journey um and and to have that motivation to to sort of get up and get up and go so i would say that but but yeah i'm 
yeah i'll, I'll leave it at that <laughs> nice I, I do think podcasts um particularly this one that everybody's listening to right now mm. by the way if you're enjoying it please tell a friend today just tell them about the the show right but um i do believe that podcasts have their their place not least because you can um often uncover more more uh, recent learnings or more advice that is is much more relevant mm. uh, now and, and and a book you know I've, I've written two books myself there's some great information in there but the second it you hit publish um like it, it becomes potentially dated um but also i don't know there's things that slip out as part of a conversation yeah. that you might not necessarily put into into your book but is is way more valuable mm. and, and i think podcasts being in the conversation sometimes you know on the spot in the moment that those guests are gonna reveal something which they might not deliver as a keynote speech or, or put into a book and so you know podcast is definitely a, a great place to learn and to and to um get into a room with with the people yeah. that that you consider mentors yeah I, I, podcasts for me were at the beginning of the journey were definitely um like starting up tastely were definitely a huge thing to to get ex experience from understanding of startups understanding of the failures and, and how things work and and i've always so i it's about between a 40 minute an hour drive in, in the morning to work. So on the drive to work, I'll always listen to a business podcast about, about startups, about failures and listen to interest, whether they be big ones or small ones, it's always interesting to hear, hear business podcasts. And then on the way home, I'll listen to some trashy, trashy podcast to, to switch off for, for that, for that sort of 40 minutes or an hour. So yeah, that, that it's, a, it's always been quite a big part of, 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 of my life over the last year and a half. Cause you just, you can learn a hell of a lot um, from, from listening to other founders beautiful what advice would you give your younger self probably don't drink as much <laughs> don't look after your body a bit better i think i i in 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 my five years in recruitment or four four of the five years in in recruitment in my formative years i i definitely i had i had a lot of fun but i i definitely um didn't look after my my sort of physical physical health um which definitely looking back on it even though i was sort of a that happy, fun, fat bloke. I probably wasn't actually in the best mental position um, and in the best mental state. So I think, yeah, I've, I've probably should have realised what the most important things are. Beautiful. What's the most exciting question you spend your time thinking about? Most exciting question. I mean, the main question I think about is where am I going to get money from um, as, as a as a founder. But um, the most exciting question is I think it's just what's what's next like what what's what's going to happen what's the next big step um for, for for me and for and for the company nice what unusual or underrated food or drink should more people try out other than tastily which isn't unusual so it's okay <laughs> <laughs> um it's an interesting one we, we've we've discussed and thrown around the potential of having like a a weird and wonderful range on 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 taste of these menu and and having sort of one or two dishes each month that that are something very different um i've tried um a number of insect products which is sort of the the next step i mean they're, they're high in protein if you if you flavor them right they're, they're, they you don't really taste the the bug um and i think that is definitely something that is going to be the next generation of of, of food and, and sort of adding so, yeah nutrients and protein to your, to your meals so i think insects is quite an interesting food that you can try i think at oaxaca they've got a um they've got a cricket salsa um so and that's a pretty most people have been to oaxaca or could, could try it out so yeah i would i would say give that a go nice 
And then final question, Will. What makes you happiest? I think being in shorts and flip-flops on a beach. <laughs> I think being out and being in a, in a clear mental place when you're there and not have loads of stresses and worries. So I can't say I've been, been, been on a beach for the last two years, but, um, but when I know I can get to that point and, and be, uh, be in that happy place um, with not as many stresses, then, yeah, I think I'll be in my happiest then. Nice. Well, presumably, at least in the last year, you, were, you had the opportunity to be in shorts and flip-flops by the edge of a cricket cricket pitch right yes, at least yeah yeah my escape on a saturday was to be able to get some get some cricket in so definitely had some had some shorts and flip-flop experiences amazing well will that brings us to the end of the show um pretty much to the end of the show i should say um at this point i'd like to ask you do you have any asks or requests of the audience listening today I think I jumped the gun halfway through this podcast and asked people to give me a follow, give us a follow and, uh, and, uh, and check out the website. So um, no, other than that, I think, I think we're good. Cool. So Will McDowell on LinkedIn is how you can reach out to Will and Tastily across the socials and tastily.co.uk um, is the web address to check out folks. I'm definitely going to be doing it and you should too. But Will, for today, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. It's been an, uh, an exciting journey. You're clearly a, a well-traveled uh, guy. You're you're clear on, on where you want to be and what, you, and what you're going to go into, but the things that you're focusing on here and now, you're, you're crushing, you're a talented person at getting great people um, into into great businesses, whether it's yours or for others as a recruiter. Um, it's clearly one of your superpowers there and it tastily looks like a breath of fresh air in the industry and I, I wish you the very best at that. But for today, thank you so much for taking the time to share your experience so far on the Smart Destiny podcast. Perfect, thanks Martin. Hey there, you incredibly good-looking human. Thanks so much for listening. If you had a good time today and would like more good times in the future, please hit that subscribe button and leave a heartwarming review. I read them all and it will go a long way to help others out there benefit from all the teachings of this show. And if you want to get in touch or otherwise learn more about me, head to martincook.co.uk or smarterdestiny.com. I really appreciate you. You're an incredible human. Until next time, keep crushing.